and welcome to Scoop FM, the official podcast of your Dynasty League, the only league that counts. I'm your host, Dan Belinke, joined as always by my co-host, Devin Rambo. Devin, why don't you say hi to everybody listening at home? Hello, everyone. Thank you, Devin. Well, today, oh God, oh, I'm sorry, I just, uh, I slightly orgasmed at my team's performance from last week. I'm sorry, I got hot soup all over my boxers now. Um, yeah, so before we dig into all things Dynasty, let's do a quick wrap around the league. I was giving, in recent weeks, the Browns and the Steelers quite a hard time. I was really letting them have it, and you know, in classic sports talk radio fashion, um, I'm all about the doom and gloom, the apocalypse stuff, and when the teams start to look good, I don't got much to say. Uh, really, I mean, the Browns I expose the Ravens a bit. I would say that Marlon Humphrey is probably a top 10 corner in the league, hence Odell basically doing nothing. But outside of that, the Ravens don't really have a good secondary. So they haven't been exposed too badly. I mean, the Chiefs showed that as well with Sammy Watkins doing very little and then um, Demarcus Robinson doing really well against them. But most teams don't have Jarvis Landry as your secondary option. So that I think I think I don't know if it shows us more about the Browns or the Ravens. The other thing about Nick Chubb is I've been saying that Nick Chubb is a top five back in the NFL. Now, when Eric took him last year in the startup draft, we all thought he did it too early, especially with Carlos Hyde clogging up that backfield. But, you know, now we're definitely looking, say the season stopped today and you had to do a restartup dynasty draft. I think Nick Chubb might go top five. The one concern I have about Chubb long term is how the Browns, that game was just so well in hand. And they really were never at risk of losing their lead throughout that game. And you just felt like that's why he got so many carries. That's why he got the chance to shine, which is a wrong thing. I think the Browns should be focusing on him as more of a facilitator of the offense than they are. I think they're throwing it too much. Um, and I don't know. It doesn't seem like their line has been superb at pass protection either. So, you know, my point is is that I kind of don't want this to happen, but I worry that whenever they're in a tight game, they're not going to use him as much as I think they should. But we'll see. Brownies looked outstanding. Steelers looked so strong. I mean, it was the Bengals. So what What do you really expect? Um, yeah, I mean, not honestly, not too much to talk about there. I never, I never said, I'm going to do the Mike Francesa. I never said that. I never said that. But really, I never said that I wanted Connor benched or that I wanted like Connor to be out snapped by Jalen Samuels. I just didn't understand that if we knew we had an inexperienced quarterback under center and we know that we have a really deep running back room and the one guy is explosive and the other guy is just not getting a lot of yards, all I was saying was give Samuels more carries, incorporate him into the offense, throw defenses off, give James Connor a break so then he can bust out for larger uh, bursts and get more yards. And all of that happened. Literally. I can't, all I have to say is that yes, a lot, a lot of the Steelers fans that I talked to, they're smart, have recognized that from the moment that Ben went down and they saw James Connors 
yards per carry. And it just worked. On every facet, it worked. But we can't complain because now the the coaching staff recognizes that. And I think Jalen Samuels got some more respect in the room. And hopefully this is like a Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara situation. Not saying that Connor plus Samuels are at the level that those guys were in those seasons. But why not facilitate your offense through two backs? One who's more of a bruiser and one who's a little more explosive. It definitely works. In, all, in, in both those situations I just described, those were playoff teams. Now, their quarterbacks were a lot better. But still, the defense is looking good. That's another thing. Everyone says, oh, it's just the Bengals. The Bengals are averaging like 18 points a game, right? So that's like three scores. We completely shut them down. I think the Steelers had eight sacks. That's insane. That's insane. No other team sacked the Bengals eight times. Okay, so the defense is coming on strong. Again, with the coaching staff, I worry, though, that because the game was so well in hand, that's why they decided to incorporate all that creative calling with Samuels and Connors, but I just hope it continues. Okay, I have talked about those two teams to death this year. I don't really have anything interesting or cool or anything I looked up because, you know... I've had a busy week, and sometimes I need me time, all right? It's not all, it's not all about this fucking league, okay? All right, what about me and my needs? But anyways, I did want to go around and just cover some of the games from last week and get a chance to talk about some teams that I don't normally touch on. So first, let's start with the rising Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, oh no. The Rams. Prior to that game... I kept trying to remind myself, yeah, who's any of the undefeated teams? And I swore the Rams had a loss because of all the undefeated teams, they seemed the least undefeated to me somehow. Um, Yeah, this was just bad, bad, bad. I'm not going to act like I actually watched this game because I didn't. I know that Goff threw the ball like 68 times, but oh man, I just imagine, (laughs) I just imagine McVay going to bed at night, kissing his Ukrainian sex doll, um, on the cheek, and then just lying there thinking, oh yeah, I'll get a good night's sleep tonight, but no. Starts creeping up in his mind. All he can think about is, god damn it, if I was here one year sooner, I would have taken Wentz. I would have had the quarterback of the future. We would have been the new Belichick and Brady, and instead I got Goff, this game manager. Do we know, do we know for sure that Goff is better than Mason Rudolph. I'm not convinced yet. I'm not convinced. Not because I I think, based on what we've seen from Goff, it's a little harsh, but I'm just saying, haven't seen enough of Mason yet. And if we were going to judge Goff off how he looked his first couple games, hooey, hooey. I'd say Mason looks a lot better than Goff did in his first couple starts. Wow. Uh, The Bucs. Yeah, I'm not like all in on the Bucs, De- I definitely think they have some wild card potential, um, but that's why I was all in on Chris Godwin. I truly, I was telling people, obviously not to you guys, because I was trying to trade for him. I thought he could outscore Mike Evans this year. I still think that can happen. I just think he's such a perfect fit for Arians' offense, and I love what Arians is doing. And Jameis is looking good. I mean, this is the Jameis that we all hoped Bruce could get out of him. It just seems like sometimes it's like Jameis is either all good or all bad. If he's being pressured enough, it's just going to be pick after pick. But if he feels comfortable and he's good, put up 55 on the uh, 
What did you call them on Sunday, Dave? One of the top three defenses in the league? Yeah, I think I think that's what you said. Yeah, I bet you said that. All right. Um, Eagles-Packers. Hooey. The Packers are nothing without Devontae Adams. My da- dynasty team is in a precarious situation without Devontae Adams. But you know those last two drives, those, well, I shouldn't say last two drives, those last two um, possessions in the in the red zone, if they had Devontae Adams there, I think they would have taken it to overtime. They just looked lost without him. Um, and I don't think they can trust these younger receivers yet. I just don't think, like, MVS is exciting, but clearly him and Rodgers just don't have the same rapport yet. I think it was actually a big mistake letting Randall Cobb walk. A lot of dynasty people were excited about that to give like MVS and Equinemius St. Brown more of a start. And I'm like, do you guys really think that? Or do you just like their names and you think that's cool? Because, I mean, we're seeing it here. Like, it's exciting, but would you rather have Equinemius St. Brown, who's barely seeing the field, or would you rather have Randall Cobb, who at least if he's washed, at least Rodgers can rely on him. Like, how does that final two minutes of that game, once Devontae Adams is out, look if he has someone he has played with for many years that he can trust in Cobb? And it's not like Cobb got that big of a contract from the Cowboys. They could have definitely afforded him. It was just, you know, a roster issue. They had enough receivers and younger guys they wanted to develop. But I think that's a mistake. Um, let's see, who else do I want to talk about? Titans-Falcons. I told you, I told you from the start, I thought the Titans would be a playoff team, all right? Now, me and Drew, I think we're the only guys this side of the Mason-Dixie line that had even considered that notion, but I still think so. That entire division is 2-2. Two and two. I don't know who's going to win it, but the AFC is so weak that an entire division of 2-2, two and two, I mean, <laughs> that's better than what the AFC North combined wins are. So... Yeah, I think there's definitely wild card potential there. Um, just tight defense. And the Falcons, oh my God. <laughs> They're so bad. I can't believe how bad they are. That was, uh, okay, I knew. I avoided Devonta Freeman like the plague. I had I fucking rostered Tevin Coleman and Ito Smith last year in Dynasty. I watched every Falcons game trying to figure out why those guys couldn't produce. And I realized they can't run block for shit. And then they talk about, oh, you know, every single person on this offensive line is a first round pick because that's what they have to go to every year because their line has not been that great. Well, I don't know who the fuck is coaching them or why it's not working or if some of those guys are bust. I don't know enough about offensive lines to say that, but I know as a unit, they ain't getting it done. And it can't just be that Devonta Freeman is bad because we saw it happen with Tevin Coleman and then he goes to the Niners and before he got injured, he looked outstanding. So they cannot run block for shit. Why do you think Austin Hooper is going insane, right? Because they're not a strong line. When you don't have a strong line, you can't let some of the deeper routes develop so you can get the ball to Julio and Calvin Ridley who have been disappointing so far. Instead, you got to do emergency valve. You got to do a little dump off a shorter pass than you were intending to your tight end. Now, Austin Hooper has good hands. It was always a matter of target share. We knew that Julio and Calvin Ridley are leagues above him in terms of explosiveness. But if you can't get them the ball, you're going to have to rely on Hooper, which is what they're doing right now. Um, But the Falcons, good God. I mean, 
let's think about it. Right now, the other quarterbacks in your division are Kyle Allen, Gardner... Wait, sorry. I was getting the two Souths confused. Kyle Allen, Jameis Winston, and Teddy Bridgewater. Okay? So there is Jameis, but whatever. You're in last place of all of those. Ouch. Ah, they should be better. Anyways, Chiefs-Lions. I was so worried coming into this year because of how much of a Lions cocksucker I am to have their quarterback, their starting running back, and wide receiver. I don't know how it happened. It just did. Um, You know me. I love 500. I I love quarterbacks. See, I've always had a quarterback in my life, Ben Roethlisberger, and I just always see him improvise, run out of the pocket, scramble, extend a play, decide to run it, not looking fast, but having five defenders tugging at his jersey, not able to get him down, that I just have a reverence and always with a winning season. Because of that, you know, if I eat chicken at home, when I go out, I want some beef. I want some shrimp. So my kind of beef and shrimp is just a pocket passer quarterback who goes 500 every year. That's why I used to love Phillip Rivers until they started wrapping Ben up in the Hall of Fame talk. So now I'm off that. Um, I was big on Kirk Cousins, but I didn't like how things went down with the Redskins. I didn't like how much money he got. Look, I like I like these kind of guys, but I don't want to pay him that much money. And I also thought what the Vikings did to Case Keenum was just dirty. So I wasn't a fan of that at all. So I'm off him too. Now who's left? Who's my big white pocket passing, gun slinging, 500 quarterback? My number one boy, Matthew Stafford. Drafted him in Dynasty League over fucking Pat Mahomes and a bunch of other people. And I was so nervous coming into this year that all these guys would be a bust and the offense would suck, but it's looking pretty good so far. And I mean, they've had like reasonably solid competition. So that was maybe one of the most exciting games I had seen so far. If you didn't catch it, I'm sorry. It came down to the wire. It was super exciting. I really don't think that Kenny Galladay caught that last touchdown to even make them close. Um, but hey, it counted. And if Carrion didn't fumble that one ball on the goal line, Lions could have won that one. Um, Raiders Colts. I only I I don't want to talk about the Raiders, so I'm gonna Oh, this is perfect. So we have a guest calling in. He's gonna talk about the Raiders real quick and what he thinks about them. Um he's been on the show before, a guy I, I trust. Um all right, is he connected, Devin? All right, thanks. Okay, OJ, you're on Scoop FM. Why don't you tell us what you're seeing in Oakland this year? What about the Raiders, though? Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, Vontaze Burfecht, who's making that decision? I'm sure I'm sure uh, Coach Gruden assured everybody in the organization that he could handle those guys. Not. <laughs> I'm just saying, take care. Very astute, OJ. I <laughs> I hate to say it, but I agree. Great analysis once again. Um, the Colts. I thought the Colts were going to run away with this one, but it is clear that they, Jacoby Brissett cannot move the offense without T.Y. Hilton. And we know that's why T.Y. Hilton has been usable in the Brissett time. And it's why DeAndre Hopkins was usable even when freaking Tom Savage was his quarterback. Right, because sometimes when a backup quarterback comes in, the best thing they can do is just rely heavily on the best receiver on the field and not spread the ball out. 
So even if the offense isn't performing as well, the target share for the alpha receiver goes up. And then that results in decent fantasy games. Without him and with Marlon Mack questionable, they can't move the ball, and they're just not as good. Um, Yeah, that's all I have to say, except for I wish that same backup number one receiver principle was working out with Juju. Um, I don't know if there's anyone else I really want to talk about that much. Oh, okay. The Dolphins. I think what the Dolphins is doing is really bad. (laughs) And I don't just mean losing games by like a million points and stuff. I just mean their experiment with rebuilding. So I look at the Colts as a perfect example. The Colts lose a generational talent at quarterback, a guy who might have been a first ballot Hall of Famer had he stuck out as um, long as some of the other Hall of Famers in our our lives have. Like if he had played up until his mid-30s, like Ben and Rivers and Rogers will and Brady has already surpassed, Andrew Luck would have been a Hall of Famer. Now, he goes down, their season isn't collapsed, right? And it's not so much because of, I mean, Jacoby Brissett is good. He might have been the best backup in the league. But really, it's because of this. They invented in the, they invested in the offensive line. Okay, the entire point of football is to score points to move the ball down the field. You can do that either by keeping your quarterback upright enough, long enough, so he can make a pass, or creating lanes for your running back to run the ball. So both of those, at their essence, require the offensive line to do their job. That's it. You can be a decent offense without a top level. I mean, really, is Marlon Mack a top 10 back in the league talent-wise? I don't think so. But when he's playing, he's a top 10 in fantasy. I mean, is T.Y. still a top 10 receiver? I don't know. That one's hard. Is Jacoby Brissett a top 12 quarterback in the league talent-wise? I don't think so, but he is in fantasy because the line keeps them upright and it lets them score points and move the ball forward. Now, the Dolphins, I don't know what they're thinking. When you get rid of some of your key players, I get it. Ship out your skill players. You know, ship out some defensive pieces, maybe if you think you can get others. But I know I'm, I'm back and forth on this because I thought the Texans gave up way too much for Laramie Tunksell, and I still don't think their line looks good. That's the one piece of them the Dolphins I don't give up. I try to accumulate first-round picks and build the tightest, best offensive line in the league. And then you can get a Gardner Minshew in the sixth round. You get a Mason Rudolph in the third round. You can get a lot of serviceable guys. You don't have to take Tua. You can take someone later that can perform if they're kept upright. It's why Josh Rosen right now, here. okay, there you go, Dolphins. That's what you get with a top 10 quarterback. You get a Josh Rosen type. How's he performing with your O-line? Not at all. Okay, so there's no point to what you're doing unless you're going to build a good line. So I think what they're doing is dumb unless they're going to turn around and say, look, Losing Tunsil, we just couldn't pass up on the value, but we are going to focus on the line before we focus on our other components. Um, Yeah, I think that's it for me. Talked about a few new teams that we don't normally talk about. So let's get into the reason we're all here, and I got to get going tonight. All right, Shadynasty Dynasty League. Let's start with some trade talk. There's only been one trade that I could have caught last week, but I did not, unfortunately, and that's Drew and Bob. Drew is giving up Austin Hooper, Bob is giving up Delaney Walker. When I saw that trade was accepted, I was out to lunch with coworkers, 
and I looked at my phone and screamed, oh no, and they said, what's wrong? I said, oh, there's just the most lopsided trade in Dynasty ever, and they said, oh my God, what is it? And I said, yeah, this guy gave up Austin Hooper for Delaney Walker. They looked at me and laughed their ass off. They're like, seriously, that bothers you that much? Yes, it does. This league is all of my life. Even the, even the most minor inconvenience will just set me off. And oh, Drew, I know, you're, I know you're a homer, but you blew it so bad, buddy. I mean, Delaney Walker, injury history, age, performance this year, offensive, the, your entire team's offensive rating. Even if the Titans beat the Falcons, Delaney Walker had four yards. Austin Hooper had 130 Austin Hooper is the top four tight end in in fantasy football right now. I'm sorry. You know, I try to act like a tough guy. I, I want you guys to think I'm cool, but, you know, I'm, I'm not denying my emotions anymore, okay? When I feel it, I speak it. All right, let's go on to the auction report, whatever. We need a name for this thing, but I guess the waiver wire thing. Um, go through all the whiffs, all the big pickups. And first, let's start with our largest grab of the week. And it also happens to be our biggest whiff of the week. How does this keep happening? Oh, Nick spends $26 on Chase Daniel, a backup quarterback and one of the worst offenses in the league who might only play for one week. $26 and nobody bid a dime. No one even put in a $0 bid. Sorry. I mean, you need quarterbacks. That's good. And Matt is just hoarding them all. So what else are you going to do? I guess you have to, but the point is, no one else wanted him. You could have could have just had him. I don't know. How, how do I have room to talk when I spent $96 to a guy whose average air yards last week was 2.4? So how the fuck can I really talk? Anyways, next big pickup, Muhammad Sanu. Hmm, this is interesting. Right, a lot of people think, oh, is he actually the wide receiver two here over Calvin Ridley? No, I'm going to tell you no, not long term, but I do think those two will kind of yo-yo back and forth, but I still predict Ridley, hey, shut the fuck up. If you hear an ambulance right now, I'm sorry. I just very rude of them. Yeah, I don't give a fuck who's dying. I'm making a podcast. Sorry about that. Um, But I don't think so. I think at the end of the year, it'll be Ridley firmly as the number two. So Matt gets him for $10, beating out Nate at seven. Were there any others? Do I hear Sanu going once? Nope, that was it. All right. Well, Matt, Nate had backup plans, all right? He was trying to get a receiver real bad. Here's who his list went. Number one was Muhammad Sanu. Didn't get because of Matt. Next, he goes for Geronimo Allison, $6. Now, you devilish fucking bastard. You know that you're playing me this week, and you know I have Devontae Adams in an IR slot. So you're going to throw it in my face with his replacement? Well, guess what? Fuck off. His next pick would have been Jamison Crowder for a dollar. Then it would have been Auden Tate for a dollar. So Nate needs a receiver. Put a lot of money on a receiver. All righty then. Bob put $5 on Jimmy Graham, and nobody has any faith in it nobody believes in jimmy graham he whipped on it nobody bit a dime wait a second wait a goddamn second oh i'm sorry i put a zero dollar bid on geronimo allison so nate's wasn't a whiff but no one believes in jimmy graham well, that's interesting we got the battle of who's gonna eat up Devonte's targets while my boy just 
takes a little rest. We're not saying he's injured. He's not that hurt. Just stubbed his toe a little. Got to give it a rest. Put some ice on it. Rub some dirt on it, and he'll be good. Um, so then Drew spends $5 on Jason Witten, and the crowd is unimpressed. No one bid a dollar on Jason Witten. No one wants these old, creaky tight ends. But you guys keep picking them up. And, and it's especially egregious that the two of you have done this after just making that trade for tight ends. Um, so after that, it's pretty much all defenses. Not too interesting. Well, I guess... Yeah. Um, not too interesting, except that, hey, Nate, guess what? I got out in tape for $0 because he was the lowest on your priority. And fuck you. I'm going to play him against you. And I'm going to let him audentate all over you. Uh, Nate picked up the kicker, Matt Gay, for a dollar. No, Matt, I'm not insulting you. <laughs> That's the dude's name. It's Matt Gay. In, an <laughs> in another league that I'm in with Nate, during the chat, during the draft, I said, Hey, Nate, found a kicker you would like. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, Devin picks up Gus Edwards for $0. Do you ever drop him? Oh, you were talking, it's a big game on how Gus Edwards, you had got a gold last year on the waiver wire. Must have dropped him, but guess what? You're bringing him back into the Ford. I think that's great of you, but but let's be real. If Ingram goes down, that's Justice Hill's backfield, and don't forget it. And then Eric picks up Dontrell Hilliard because one Cleveland running back just ain't enough. All right. That's all for Waiver Wire. Kind of an extensive show that just went in this morning. I barely had time to process it, so I hope you liked my analysis. Wait, was that from this morning? Holy shit, yes it was. It was our largest Waiver Wire thing of the week. Ten players added. Which is funny, because there wasn't a top guy. And that's definitely the lowest that we've been in maximum dollars spent. Okay, let's stop fooling around. Let's cover up all the action that went on last week in matchup roundup. That's the sound of a whip. That's the sound of a whip. All right, so who played who last week? Well, you might have seen that I had a pretty impressive week against my buddy Eric. I was a 9.1 favorite, decided to win by 37.2. I put up 163.6. Eric put up 126.4. And oh my God, if I had just played Chris Godwin... I'd be the one setting records, not Nate last week. I'd be on the leaderboards, and then I would have the most points scored in the league. So I was eating brunch with my girlfriend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't be jealous. Brunch is definitely a cool guy move with a girlfriend exponentially cooler. I know. That's why I'm on the podcast and you're listening, okay? That's why I'm alone after work sitting in my apartment talking to myself. Until said girlfriend comes home. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Anyways, I was eating at the Kitchen Post, cool guy brunch spot, when I got the news, uh-oh, T.Y.'s not going to play. Got to get him out of there. So who do I put in? Uh, Godwin's been questionable all week. Christian Kirk, he's facing Seattle. That could be a plus matchup. Could be a lot of points. Put in Kirk over Godwin. God damn it. I was distracted by all the cool guy shit that I was surrounded by. You know, I mean, people are drinking mimosas. Did you ever think that people drank on a Sunday morning? Well, they do it brunch. It's a cool guy move, and they do it. And that distracted me. You know, honestly, I'd be better in this league <laughs> if I wasn't as fucking cool. 
guess that's why the top of the leaderboard looks like it does. Anyways, Eric had a great week from some of his flex options. Chubb and Gallman going bananas. But Watson and Dak hella underperformed. Now, that gave him the loss. But, but, but the other side of the coin. And I misspoke last week. I accidentally said it was the wrong uh, payout week. This week was the Flex in Your Calves Award going to the team whose flex players scored the most points. And now flex players doesn't mean people actually in your flex, just anyone that would have a flex designation. So Eric did that. 98.4 out of his 126.4 came from flex players. That's a tremendous number. Um, yeah, and, and on my side, I didn't really have anyone go off except Godwin. I mean, but they all performed. They all basically hit projections, maybe a little above, and even my defensive kicker did that. So, yeah, that's it. Nick and Matt, was this our, oh, no, no, it wasn't our match of the week. So Matt was a 2.5 favorite. He won by 13.9, putting up 108.3 to Nick's 94.3. It was the lowest combined score. Both of them had players scoring negative points. Um, On Nick's side, Kyle Allen was the third lowest scoring player on his team, um, and that includes his head coach, who lost and got minus two points, and his defense, the Ravens, who had minus six. So of players that scored anything above zero, Kyle Allen was the lowest, which was real rough after a nice debut against Arizona. Um, I could go on and on about all the ways that Nick could have configured this to win, Um, but mainly... If he had put in Ronald Jones over a lot of his flex options and, and played the Falcons defense over the Baltimore defense, who also went negative but only went minus one, and he could have could have had this one. All right, Bill and Drew are match of the week. I have just been picking stinkers all over the board. I thought Drew might be able to handle this one. Bill was a 7.1 favorite, and he won by 69 and a half. Bill scored 130.1 to Drew's 60.6. I got to double check, but I think that's one of the lowest scores of all time. You know, not ex- not including the time that Matt benched all of his players in spite of me to keep me out of the playoffs. Well, guess what, Matt? I would have been out of the playoffs either way. So fuck off. I'm not mad about it anymore. Anyways, Bill had some good performance, but oh, the real story is Drew's poor team. Hopkins and Odell combining for 4.1 points, 41 yards between the two of them. What is going on? Defense, kicker, and head coach combining for two points. Ugh. Half of your starting lineup combining for 6.1 points. And the Walker trade is already biting you in the ass. Delaney Walker, four yards, 0.4 points. In the same game, I already mentioned it. Austin Hooper, 130. That wouldn't have helped you win, but it would have done something. It also doesn't help when Case Keenum gets benched in the middle of the game and he's got like minus a half point because of interceptions and low yardage. And shit, I gotta apologize for my A.J. Brown take. I roasted him for taking him in the first round, but hey, he was his top scorer on the week. He scored like a third of all of Drew's points. So good for that. Devin and Bob, this was an interesting matchup. Devin, well, slated to be. Devin was a 5.9 favorite and he won by 43.8. That's another thing I got to check. This might be a record week for margin of victories. Um, there was not a lot of competition going on. Devin scored 143.2 to Bob's 99.4. Bob's team went doo-doo, full on doo-doo. Julio, doo-doo. 
Edelman, doo-doo. Thielen, doo-doo. Get this dude some receivers. Because all his are doo-doo. Yeah, bad. Um, his defense kicker and head coach combined for one point, while the Pats D had 23 alone for Devin. So, God damn, was that $12 worth it? I wish I had bid 15 I could be Devin right now. I could be him. I don't want to be Devin. Anyways, that defense of Devin's and his backs, Eckler and Connor having a big game, Rivers and Rodgers, the old men, trying to show, hey, you fuckers, you think Dak's all that? Fuck you. Watch how a, watch how an old school guy does it. That almost very quickly turned into a white versus black thing. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I just meant like dynamic younger quarterbacks versus like older pocket guys. So, well, I guess that is a white versus black thing. Whatever. Look, I have Lamar Jackson on my on my team. I drafted him in the sixth round in a startup. All right? Okay? So there should be no question on how progressive I am. Okay? I'm on I'm on the right side of history. All right? Devin is Rodgers and Ridge, Rivers. I mean, come on, dude. Get with the fucking times. He, honestly, I hate to say it. Devin, you're canceled. You're canceled. No matter what you do this year, you're canceled. That's it. Now on to my almost match of the week that I rescinded on quite quickly just because I wanted to see Drew get a win and I thought he could do it. Oh, I put my faith in the wrong places, but Dave versus Nate. Dave was a 2.3 favorite, and he won by 4.9. Excellent, 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 excellent. I started saying excellent because I lost my train of thought. Excellent moves, Dave. Um, Yeah, you knocked Nate out of being undefeated, which is huge for the rest of the league and a big help to us. So thanks for that, buddy. Um, Yeah, Dave scored 124.4 to Nate's 119.5. 20% of Dave's points came from his defense and his kicker. So those were strong days. Nothing else really special um, aside from Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, Nate had Winston absolutely shredding Dave's Rams um, as being the highest scoring quarterback of the week. But Keenan Allen, Burkhead, Dorsett all pretty much fell short. Just wasn't enough. Nate could have had this. They could have had this if he had just played Deshaun Hamilton or Raquel Armstead over Rex Burkhead. And I think this has to be the first fantasy situation in history where that's true. <laughs> where you could go into work the next day and someone could say, hey, did you win your matchup? And you say, no, I lost. Could you believe it? I played Rex Burkhead over Deshaun Hamilton and Raquel Armstead. So... What the fuck is happening? All right, that's it for the matchups. Now let's go to the standings, where we really want to go, where we really want to see. All right, Nate's in first place. He's 3-1. and one. He's now undefeated. No more undefeated teams in this league. Haha, <laughs> not in my league, buddy. I like to keep it tight. He's staying firm in uh, first place, as he was last week, and he's the second highest scoring in points. All right, Dave and Devin are at 2 Oh, sorry. We'll take it one at a time. Dave is in second place now, thanks to that win. He's 3-1. and one. He's the third highest point scored. Uh, Devin is in third place, 3-1, and one, fourth highest point scored. Now, just to give you a sense, because Nate, Dave, and Devin are all up there vying for first place, vying for those first two buys. Here's how tight it is, since their records are equal. Of course, our tiebreaker is points scored. Nate's got 550.8 
Dave's got 545.1, and Devin has 542.5. So at most, there's like an 8.3 difference between them. So now you wonder, Dan, why do you bitch so much about not, not starting Chris Godwin over Christian Kirk? You won. That's not the point. The point is points. I want more of them. I need more of them. And I hope that you three start looking back at some of your dumb decisions and just thinking, oh, I fucked it up so bad. I could be in first. Next is Matt, who's also at 3-1. and one. He is the seventh most points at 489.2. Like, you know, 60 less than Nate. So, yeah. And 50 points less than Devin. So, there's definitely a huge gap there. Um, he might have got some lucky matchups going on now. Eric is in fifth place at 2-2. Two and two. Nice 500. He's dropped... Oh, I should say Dave, Devin, and Matt all went up three spots because Eric went down three spots thanks to a loss from me. But he's still first in overall points. He's just been so unlucky. He has over... Bill has the least points scored in the league. Eric has at least points scored against him. Eric has had 200 more points scored against him than Bill. That's 50 a week. So he's at five, but his team has been starting pretty strong. I'm in uh, sixth place, that last playoff spot, also at two and two, up one spot from last week. I'm the fifth highest in points scored. I'm at 542.3. So if I was at three and one, I would also be up there. And if I had just played Chris Godwin, no, I won't do it again. All right, Bill is in seventh place, just out of the playoffs, two and two. Um, like I said, not very, he's ninth in, in total points scored, so he's not very high in points, but he's getting lucky with some of the guys he's playing in matchups. Uh, Nick is in eighth place at one and three. He's got the six most points. He's been the opposite end of that, kind of unlucky. Um, he could be a playoff caliber team, but guys are just blowing loads all over him. On his neck, his back, I don't know. I'm not going to say pussy. I almost did, but it just feels inappropriate. Uh, Bob is in ninth place at one and three. He's got the eighth most points. Clearly went all in with that Dalvin Cook trade, and um, we will see. We'll see how that goes. And Drew, 0 for 4, our only team without a win, 10th most points. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Don't worry, Drew. I'm confident that it's going to get better, so why the hell aren't you? All right, well, we covered everything. We need to talk about, of course, our weekly payout next week. I said it last week by mistake. This is actually week five's award. It's the big fat loser award going to the person who loses by the most. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. This week's match of the week. Now, we do have a rivalry week in Devin and Nick. So I'm tempted, I'm tempted to pick that. Hmm. Okay, but... Everything else I'm looking at the board, uh, I'm seeing me and Nate. Now, me and Nate might be a tempting matchup because beating him could propel me to the top of the ranks. But then at the same time, Cam Newton out. Tyreek, oh, sorry, Cam Newton out. T.Y. Hilton, questionable. Devontae Adams, questionable. Both probably not going to play. Mark Andrews, questionable. Chris Godwin, questionable. Christian Kirk, questionable. Matt Stafford, on Johnson, Kenny Galladay, all on by. So I am depleted. I'm starting whoever I can get. So I fear that if I make this the match of the week, I'm going to jinx myself 
and I'm not going to win it. I'm going to blow it. It's going to be embarrassing. Or on the other hand, this is a reverse jinx, and now I'm not going to win it because I didn't have faith that I could. Fuck it. I'm just making it Dave and Bob. I ripped it out of Dave's hands last week. I almost gave it to him. But Dave and Bob, they're also rivals, so that's big. No, they're not. I'm sorry. That's Eric. I forgot how much they hated each other. Um, But this one's going to be pretty tight, and I'm excited to see how it goes. A win here would really turn Bob's season around. He'd be right up there in the conversation, would drag down Dave a little bit. Um, So that's your match of the week. And that's all I've got for you folks. So until next time, until a solar flare somewhere out there in the distance among our stars blasts, penetrates our atmosphere, and we all die burning to a crisp. Goodbye. (laughs) 